Hey, listener, Zach Harper here. Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other. And whoever has more points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do, that is your rivals pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson scoring tear, going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play, higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years. Here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick First time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step. To five three three four two New York, call the twenty four seven Hope Line at one eight seven seven eight Hope and Y or text Hope and Y four six seven three six nine. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or twenty four seven in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, scoundrels, to the latest episode of the Woke Bros. I'm your gracious host, Big Waz, also known as Wozny Lambray. <laughs> Joined as always with my compatriot, my comrade, Michael Jamal Abdul Brooks. What's going on, Michael? Hey, man. We're back. We've returned. I'm ready. We survived them damn JV debates. <laughs> we gonna get to that, as well as, man, this this Epstein situation just continues to unravel. Uh, me and Mike are gonna get into the general just depravity of b- the billionaire class. 
and as all and as will be our new customs, we will have a couple of cultural recommendations at the end of the show. Of course, make sure you get your tickets to count the dings live in San Francisco at the Independent. Tickets are going super duper fast. This is October 12th. I know it seems like a distance away, but the closer we get to the date, the faster them things move. And yes, you will be left outside. Do not hit my line. Do not tweet me. Do not text me. Do not hit me on Instagram. No, you're not getting in. If you miss out on this opportunity, make sure you get that. Of course, Marcus Thompson, of course, Andy Lou, of course, Sam Fendiari as special guests with more to be announced on the way. Make sure you get your tickets at CountTheDings.com. Michael, tell them about the show in the shop. Chicago, August 24th. We are at Lincoln Hall. I'm incredibly excited about this. We have uh, Chuck Meritz, who is the host of This Is Hell Radio, which has like been like basically an underground like college and community radio institution in Chicago. Now it's a podcast. He's a good, you know, very funny uh, lefty. Um, we're going to have that. And if you have a sense, I mean, from the filled up, uh, sold out to the uh, to the tickets, um, L.A. and Brooklyn shows, we play games on stage. We have an incredibly fun time. If you are in the area, go get your tickets and get them quick. We're back now in our typical upsurge in the last several weeks. So they're going fast. And of course, you can also get a VIP ticket and come hang out with us for a couple hours beforehand. Besides that, please, Michael Brooks Show on YouTube, patreon.com slash TMBS. Check all that out. But first... We had another double dipper, which I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Mike, this will be the last double dipper, no? Well, we don't know because it's still possible okay. that everybody will uh, – that, that if okay, I guess we'll they the get above criterion. 10 people qualify for the next debate, then there will be another double header. But uh, pray to God this is the last one. Yeah, and so <laughs> Tuesday, um, not to sound dismissive of some of the other candidates, the Delaney types, but – Tuesday was basically a bunch of also rants, like guys that are polling in the point twos. Well, at I don't the know, moment. but you had um, Sanders and Warren, so it was also right. the only people you want to hear from. Facts, right? Which yeah. you know, I have my own thoughts about how CNN did that. Uh, but you know, that was Tuesday's thing, and then yesterday, Wednesday, we're recording on a Thursday, y'all. Uh, was the more, you know, a lot more name recognition, people like Harris, people like Booker, people like obviously Joe Biden. Uh, quickly on Tuesday, I feel like Bernie and 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 uh, Professor Warren have decided like on a sort of detente where they're just like, you know what, we, we can just squash these JV people and sort of move on with our lives. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, especially if we're going to call these things, quote unquote, debates. But it seemed to be a tack that they were taking with each other. Did you see that, Mike? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that basically what you had and it was just so crazy. Like I, I did a video actually uh, for my channel about both why Bernie Sanders won the debate. He did an incredible job, but also uh, going back to uh, a book that Noam Chomsky co-wrote in the 1980s called Manufacturing Consent, mm. all about how basically how ideology works in corporate media. 
And, you know, that CNN debate was such a perfect example of how, you know, I mean, as Bernie said, all of the questions about health care were Republican talking points, the whole skew of the debate. And it wasn't just that you had, you know, these ridiculous, irritating jokers like Hickenlooper and Delaney who, you know, have done so much to undermine progress in this country. It was that they were working in tandem with the moderators. So I think, you know, I have some bigger thoughts about Sanders and Warren in a second, but relative to that debate, they definitely uh, teamed up. And that was, I think, definitely the right move because, you know, the truth is, is that there was, I mean, you know, again, there's big differences there, but at the same time, the way CNN went about it and the way they instigated, you know, these corporate joker candidates you basically just had to have, you know, Sanders and Warren holding the line for actually doing things. Right. And man, I want to say something, too. I hate the framing. And I, I read Chuck Pierce's sort of roundup about the Tuesday debates, and he brought up something I thought was really interesting. He was like, we got to stop calling cats like Delaney a moderate Democrat. He's a conservative right. Democrat. There's nothing moderate about that dude, right? Um, again, back in the days, <laughs> we used to have what you call a liberal Republican, right? Like way less conservative people who identified as Republicans. We don't, that doesn't exist anymore. And so because that only exists on the Democratic side and because the media knows they can't do the both sides shit with Republicans, Right. Like all Republicans are basically one and the same at this point. So with the Dems, because there is this variation, everybody who isn't Bernie or Warren is moderate. It's like right. I, I I don't understand that tack. Well, I do understand the damn tack. They, they're just trying to ostracize the two most liberal candidates. Um, It just kind of gets in my craw a little bit. Uh, But besides that, yeah, I think I think it is important to squash these other people before they even get a chance to breathe, right? Like, we don't need to do this over and over again with these bum candidates. Uh, obviously, um, you and I both think, believe, and I think we could, I think this is a fact at this point, Bernie and Warren actually need each other's supporters, right? Like, they need to be taken from each other if, they're, if either one of them is, is to succeed. So... You know, there's an unease that has to be between the two because it feels like they're drawn from the same pool, no? Yeah, I mean, what's weird is that if you actually get into the numbers, like, there's a lot of really big differences in terms of who they're drawing from, right? So Bernie is pulling a much more racially diverse coalition, and it's filled with basically working class people from all backgrounds, right? Um, Elizabeth Warren is definitely primarily, um, you know, uh, college-educated Caucasians. Uh, It doesn't surprise me. I mean, what is interesting to me is that, as is always the case, even though Bernie is just constantly lied about and smeared, he's actually doing the job of pulling, like— this actual multiracial working class coalition together. And also that at least in the broader polling right now, like Kamala Harris and Elizabeth Warren have like, 
you know, Harris is my first choice. Warren's my second. Warren's my first choice. Harris is my second. Mm. Whereas actually Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders are going back and forth on a lot. And that's so that's just kind of interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. I have some theories about maybe why, but I do think for what it's worth, I think you're totally right, though, in terms of like the opinion makers and, right. you know, exactly. people like us who are kind of like, you know, like kind of do this, you know, that do this stuff for a living and are thinking about this and that. And, you know, my bottom line is that it wasn't the right time for Sanders to do that. And the tag team was cool and they both did a great job. Yeah. But at some point we're going to need to be real about this um, from the perspective of really, you know, picking the truly transformative movement candidate. And that's definitely Bernie Sanders. Right. And, you know, I think Nate Silver had a point where he was like, Bernie doesn't have supporters. He has followers, right? Mm. Like he's a leader of a group of people. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? More so than he has people who want to vote for him. Of course, those people, his followers, his supporters are going to vote for him. But he's like, I'm not sure how transferable that is onto other candidates, right? Like the idea that you could get Bernie people um, onto your side, as far as like, go, as far as going against Bernie, which I think goes in his favor, right? Like people who mess with Bernie Sanders really tend to mess with Bernie Sanders. And I think you see it in the amount of small do- donations he gets as compared to some of these other corporatist democratic types who, you know, as, as, as brother Cornell West so beautifully, um, um, uh, enumerated, he's like, look, man, you got a candidate whose whose base is like, ain't no billionaire super PAC funding him, and you know he's r- riding those waves. It's like, no, it's actually people, normal people sending Bernie Sanders money, their hard earned money, because they believe in what he's doing and they believe in his cause. So I think he's in good shape with that, um, and I think that's why you're gonna see him hold steady in the polls. You're gonna see him continue to raise money. Um, I think he's still in good shape. And he actually had a great night. Oh, I'm sorry. Yep. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Mike. No, I think you're right. Although I do think, you know, Nate Silver is another one of these twerps that is constantly carrying water for the Joe Bidens of the world. And I would just say it's more simple. Like, look, I think that all of the candidates have people that could be described of as like stands or followers, every sure. single one of them. And, you know, that's probably like a product of of the social media age in some respects. Right. So, you know, when I make the case for Bernie, I'm going to go hard for him because I, you know, he's obviously the best. If you have, you know, a serious vision of things like, uh, you know, democratic socialism and so on. Right. But obviously, I mean, the man is not perfect. He's made mistakes and so on. And no candidate is perfect. What I would say is that he has a movement behind him. Right. And, and that's what's trackable with the fact that, you have millions of people organizing and volunteering. You have people uh, pouring money in. Uh, and you also have, you know, the incredible thing like that the campaign is doing things like using the email list to warn people about ICE raids. I mean, no one else is doing stuff like that. They have their own media infrastructure. I was a guest uh, with his press secretary, Brianna Joy Gray, who used to be a regular on my show, you know, on the Hear the Burn podcast two weeks ago, talking about Bernie and Lula in Brazil. That's a whole different strategy. And by the way, this was another interesting thing to me in the debate. 
while Bernie and Warren were teaming up against all of these, I mean, and Jesus Christ, dude, I mean, John Hickenlooper and John Delaney, I mean, these people could not be any more just disgusting and repulsive. But, <laughs> but you know, when they were teaming up, there were a couple of moments where Elizabeth Warren started to say, and we're going to have a movement. And that's interesting, right? Because that's the second area now that she's following and emulating what Bernie Sanders has already laid down. But it's an interesting recognition that even though like people like to kind of obsess about plans, you know, plans are great. But as you know, Mike Tyson said, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. Right. And so if you go into Washington and whether you have a truly, you know, a really broad, full student debt cancellation, Medicare for all agenda like Sanders, whether you even have a smaller, more narrow progressive agenda like Elizabeth Warren, the, the weight of the world is going to come at you. And the only way to fight it is a movement. And the only one that has a movement is Bernie Sanders. And so I don't, you know, I'm just not going to allow, you know, as much I look, I like and respect Elizabeth Warren, but I won't allow her or her supporters to confuse that point. Um, and I think, you know, but as far as just there was a couple of great highlights in the debate. You had Tim Ryan um, fear mongering about Medicare for all. He's another one of these you know, less than also ran, you know, basically totally irrelevant candidates. I wouldn't even Google him. He was doing the whole thing that Joe Biden's doing, which is that if you give everybody great health care, then that'll somehow be bad for union people, which is a stretch. Uh, obviously, most union people not only support Medicare for all, Medicare for all would be an amazing advantage for workers because that would be one less thing that employers that could they have to ask for. Exactly. Yeah, people so don't understand the concept said, of collective bargaining like this is like this is a chip that employers use against you right it's like well we're giving you this so you're gonna have to give us back something that's how that works when you take that off the table that's a big ass chip to take off the table that works in a <laughs> holy crap yeah no it's wild and so they have a great <laughs> clippable moment where where bernie where where tim ryan's like you don't know that and bernie's like yes i do i wrote the damn bill Two things. They will be better because Medicare for All is comprehensive. It covers all health care needs for senior citizens. It will finally include dental care, hearing aids, and eyeglasses. But you don't know Second that. of all. You don't know that, Second Bernie. of all. We'll come I, to you in a second, I do know, and I wrote the damn bill. <laughs> and second of all. Second of all. Man. <laughs> and then, and then, uh. You had this other great moment where Elizabeth Warren looked at John Delaney and she's like, you know, I don't really understand going through all the trouble of running for president just to explain what we can't do. Facts. Um, uh, and so that was beautiful. I mean, the first night we'll get to the second night, I guess, in a second. But the first night, at least for me, and I wonder your thoughts. I mean, on one hand, I was really happy because, you know, Bernie hit a grand slam. Warren hit a home run. They teamed up. They were great. Obviously, I thought it was the best, you know, for Bernie. Uh, and that makes me happy. But I was also just pissed. Right. Like, you know, you had between the CNN with this Republican talking points, Republican moderation endlessly throwing back to these irrelevant candidates. We just found out today that the main funder of John Hickenlooper's pack is the Walton family. And it's like, okay, now I understand why this like weird guy who has like the demeanor of like a librarian who has a restraining order. Like, yes. Meanwhile, 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 Bernie's one of Bernie's biggest supporters are Walmart workers. 
Exactly. <laughs> and so it was just so facts. So it was just so like annoying and disgusting. Like one other exchange I want to highlight really briefly. And this was another thing. Jake Tapper trying to bully Elizabeth Warren into saying she would support a nuclear first strike, which was disgusting in of itself. The governor of Montana was trying to play tough and obviously has no idea what he's talking about. You'd have to be an absolute sociopath to say you'd use a nuke first. Bernie said he wanted to jump in on this exchange. And they're like, no, 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 no. Uh, we got to keep it moving. And then they went to Pete Buttigieg basically to be like, you know, do you want to take an opportunity to say Bernie's too old? Which actually, interestingly enough, Buttigieg didn't. So Buttigieg really is positioning himself to like be the guy that offends, you know, like that everybody that offends like, nobody. Right. Offends nobody. It was an interesting move, but that just really distilled how absolutely disgusting CNN was. That first, <laughs> they're trying to terrorize Elizabeth Warren into adopting an obscene position. Then the other only relevant candidate on the stage jumps in to talk about literally the existence of the planet, and they're like, "Ah, oh, hold up, we're going to try to cue somebody else up to say you're too old." I mean, it was just so. Disgusting. Disgusting and such bullshit watching these watching these plutocratic hacks like Jake Tapper and Don Lemon. The only other thing I'll say about the first night, Marion Williamson messed up by not supporting Medicare for all. But for what it's worth, I feel like clearly her mission is talking about race. And she's doing a damn good job at that. Yeah. She her facility with the topic is it's clear she's thought a lot about this. And she's ready to parry literally, literally anything you have to say on the topic. She's clearly re- well read and well studied on the topic. Um, you know, again, you know what I will say though, Mike. Um, as far as the Nate Silvers and the other, the other sort of pundits who who like to harp on moderates and and their fetishization of of splitting it down the middle and being moderate and blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of people in the party who need to be brought along to where we're at right now, right? When it comes right. to the, the 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 sum of the whole of Democratic voters, there's a sizable amount of people who are like, well, hold on now. Can we really do that? Should we really do that? You know, um, who need to be brought along. And I think that's the point of a damn campaign, right? Um, is that yeah. you explain to people like this is what we need to do. Um, bottom line is uh there was nobody talking about universal health care um before Barack Obama started his candidacy, right? Like it's not like that was a hundred percent going to happen. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it's not like that was one hundred percent going to happen if Barack Obama didn't bring it to the fore, right? So I say that to say, um, but he was able to do it, right? He was able to bring the mass of the party on board to the position of yo, we should have universal health care in the richest country in the history of the freaking world, right? So I right. think that is the job, of course of Bernie and Elizabeth Warren and whoever wants to call themselves freaking progressive is to bring our people to this side, to where you and I stand on this issue. Um, so, you know, I, I, I get it. Those, those people do exist, right? Like who are like, mm, I don't know, you know, and <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and we've met those people. We know those people, Mike. You know what I'm saying? So they do need to be brought along. But like I said, it was a big night for the progressive wing of the Democratic Party, in my in, in my opinion. And I just man, I I just love seeing a conservative Democrat get 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 stuck to man. Like, oh, Lord. So we can move <laughs> on to to last night, Wednesday night, 
which was <laughs> fuck Joe Biden night. <laughs> for lack of a better that, term. That definitely fuck Joe Biden night. It was, it was so clear. It was so obvious. Everybody was like, let's take this joker down. And I, and I do want to say this, Mike. I'm telling you, Joe Biden is not long for this campaign, brother. He's the favorite right now, but he's not good at this. He's just not good at defending himself. He's not, he has the name. He's very popular. He's very famous, but he is not good at anything else. As it, as it pertains to running a competent campaign, this shit is long. This shit is hard. It's arduous, bro. I don't know if he got it in him. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, that's really interesting you say that because, I've definitely been of the school and I even last night before the debate, I'm trying to say to people like, you know, especially in these bubbles, like especially in like some of the, you know, especially kind of like um, some of the worlds that I'm around. There's such a bubble about Joe Biden and everybody thinks that, you know, whether it's, you know, coming from many different angles that Joe Biden sucks and He'll implode and people will see that really quick. And I've always tried to say that. I mean, look, and obviously, of course, Joe Biden is everything that I loathe in the Democratic Party. His record on credit cards, on Iraq, on, you know, trade, uh, you know, praising Strom Thurmond, Anita Hill. I mean, I don't, you know, I mean, of course, right? Uh, drones, cutting Social Security and Medicare, all of this stuff, but trying to with Obama. But I've always still maintained that, like, look, first of all, some of these things like, you know, that people get tripped up about Joe Biden are not going to trip most people up and it's not going to yeah. be a problem for him. And also a lot of things that, you know, you may or may not like that style, but he does have a certain kind of like old style Irish politician charm. And there's a lot of people voting in Democratic primaries, you know, who are not, you know, firing away on Twitter all day. And and that's like, you know, who Joe Biden's speaking to. So I've maintained that. Now, I think on one hand, there's certain areas, particularly, as I say, on things like credit cards and so on and bankruptcy, where people could really start to take chunks out of them. And, and the criminal justice and, and being a huge promoter of prisons and all the rest. But the thing that I'm going to say from watching last night, and I don't know, like, you know, I'm just going to say it. I guess this isn't, you know, necessarily that diplomatic, but I'm watching it and I'm really starting to be like, OK, is this dude literally like all there? Like, is he physically, psychologically up for this? Right. Like I had. You know, if you watch Joe Biden even four or five years ago, and again, I'm just talking purely on style, there wasn't a moment, like, in fact, not only would you not think that, you would think, what a kind of like spry, youthful, you know, 70-something. And right. and especially, you know, in the race, of course, you know, there's a huge double standard. If, if Bernie did half of the slip-ups Biden did, MSA and NBC would be talking about it, you know, ad nauseum, obviously, even as they ignore his good numbers and fundraising. But I just think that I was watching Biden last night and I maintain the caution that I always have of, you know – his popularity and durability, but I'm just seeing it. And it's like, and also even to the point for the first time where I'm getting like, Oh shit. Like Donald Trump be like, what the T I P P Joe. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I had the first flashes last night. I'm like, Oh 
fuck. Yeah, no, you know what no. I mean? Like he does he just doesn't look that on it. And you know I think what a lot of people are remembering is 2012 and what he was able to do to Paul Ryan, who right. Joe Biden so clearly recognized as a lightweight, like a dude who is just way out of his depth. And he's like, oh, I'm going to destroy this guy. It's not even that you're on the wrong side of the issues. Like, you don't have it. You can't dance, brother. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's what a lot of people are remembering. This ain't that. This is right. this is a whole different ball game and arena. And when he's just getting bopped over the head and bopped over the head and bopped over the head over and over. And again, this is we at the start of the start, Mike. Like we're right. really at the beginning of the beginning. And to see him just looking woozy, man. I'm just like, look, Joe, this is a long campaign, bro. <laughs> this is a long campaign, man. This thing gonna be going till next summer. So, man, I, I and again, I don't want to sound encouraged. It's just like I, I, I just, I feel like there's a reason he's failed at like twelve other presidential runs. Like there's right. a reason That's for a like, point. you know what I mean? Like uh, for all his strengths, as far as his likability, his charm, you know, the gentle white guy affect that he has, like a nice boss <laughs> affect that he has. Um, <laughs> the nice boss affect. <laughs> you know, I think the nice. Affect is not on brand for 2020 in the Democratic primary. I don't think so. It doesn't feel like it is, right? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So I don't know if this is his moment. And I get it. If he if he didn't have, you know, his predilection to just fuck up, um, I think this shit would be a cakewalk for him because he's so popular and he's got a shit ton of money behind him that he would just kill everybody behind money and his fame and popularity but shit man the way it's looking right now i don't i don't know if he got it um yeah obviously I, you and i don't believe he should have ever gotten a race i thought it was completely you know i i just feel like it's like yo so full of yourself of like yo the world needs me right now it's like actually man i don't know i don't think you reading the tea leaves my bro like i don't i don't think that's that that's where we're going um but yeah, I, I, I was encouraged yeah, by last I, night. I'll I say that. Right. As somebody who does not want to see Joe Biden succeed, I was encouraged. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, you know, I think I think basically like he – again, I, I'm not ready. I'm too much of a pest. It's funny. Like I'm not as convinced as you are that if he was on point, he would destroy everybody. But on the flip side, I'm still not totally comfortable that he's out yet. <laughs> But I will say that, yeah, I mean, between the fact that there's just so many problems in his record, some of which will have big salience for people, and the fact that he just looks like – I mean, yeah, he looks woozy. He, The dude – ends his own times like you know how in these things like these people are always thirsting for more yeah, like yeah, you know going, time's up going. senator time's up governor <laughs> this guy literally oh my time's up like he he is so desperate to just say barack obama flash a smile and and you know wear out the clock and it just isn't the environment you know what i mean even like you know, Jay Inslee, who's probably like my favorite of like the, you know, the the low tier candidates for sure because of, you know, talking about global warming and union jobs and all of that. He seems like a decent dude. Like he he scored a nice point on Biden. Cory Booker slayed Biden. 
Kamala Harris scored some points, although I would say Kamala Harris had a bad night herself. Yeah, and I think night. that bad night, you Kamala. Know, I gotta say, I don't care who delivered it. Tulsi Gabbard smoked her on her her criminal justice record. And we can always get into the complications with Tulsi. That's irrelevant. She delivered that blow. And Kamala Harris had the whole bullshit, like, you know social media clout like well i don't just make speeches well first of all every politician makes speeches so i don't even know what the fuck you're talking about what you're talking so, about <laughs> yeah that, that's just nonsense and secondly what tulsi was saying is that you put tens of thousands of people in prison for nonviolent drug offenses you didn't even try to help exonerate people that clearly were free that you had put in jail yep. um and you were an ardent drug warrior an ardent a promoter of carcical policies, which, as we all know, are race and class based and have caused an unbelievable amount of um, reinforcing institutional racism and also just broad based institutional suffering. Like, I just want to say really quickly, like there was a video that came out two days ago. I couldn't even watch it. Right. And in this case, this was a white man who had who had schizophrenia. This is in Dallas. Right. He called the police because he was he was like having an episode. God knows why you call the police this is another example of how horrible our society is in terms of mental health care. So in any whatever reason, he's calling now one. I'm really scared. I'm freaking out. These officers came, restrained him, put him in chokeholds. He's kept begging them. I can't breathe. And then they made fun of him. They thought he was passed out. And they were joking about, oh, we'll wake him up and give him breakfast later. <laughs> they had killed him. They killed him. And, you know, I just say this point to say that, like, I mean, you know, one, I guess it's just so disturbing and sociopathic. But, like, all of these people, like Bernie voted the wrong way on the 94 crime bill. Although, again, he did still say, you know, at the time— I see the problems with this, even as at the time everybody was voting for bills like that across the board. But Joe Biden and Kamala Harris specifically, Joe Biden is the author of this shit and Kamala Harris has been a top enforcer and she had nothing on it, man. Yeah. And well, she she made the decision early on to, you know, sort of embrace and hug her record as a district attorney, um, which. Oof, that's a tough choice, right? Like sometimes you, some people go the other way and just like, for instance, Mitt Romney, because he had to run for president of Republican people, had to run away from passing health care in Massachusetts, right? right? He made that choice. He was like, these are the people I'm trying to win the, um, the nomination f- from. Um, I'm going to run away literally the signature achievement of my life. <laughs> of my right. career, right? Um, so he made the choice of doing that. I think Kamala Harris decided to go the other way and was like, "No, I, I shit, I worked hard to become a a, um, a prosecutor. I'm gonna defend my record, and it's going as poorly as anybody would imagine it going in this particular primary, right? I can imagine a time and say maybe the year 2000 or 2004, where, you know, in a democratic primary, that might be actually in your favor. 
that you were oh, oh, quote unquote, tough on crime because back then Democrats were always trying to run away the, from the idea that they were all squishes, that they were all pansies and, and, right. and sissies and all of that. Um, so I, I can imagine a, a time, you know, only 20 years ago, 15 years ago, where a Democrat might be proud of doing a locking people up. This ain't that time, and she's getting destroyed. The the you know the the winds have sort of shifted, and you can see it. Even Republicans are talking crime reform these days, prison reform these days. I don't know how sincere they are. Of, what did you think of um the uh like yeah that just that broader arc of Kamala Harris's career. Because I, to, to me, it's like, yeah, everything you just said and also that like she 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 does have like a certain type of very polished charisma. But it's like it seems so plastic that it's like I think where I feel for her is like, you know, in the 1990s. I mean, again, we're in this paradoxical time where there really is a little bit of movement. I mean, we have, you know, we have a fucking Klansman in the White House. But then on the other hand, the Democratic Party, I think, definitely would nominate a woman of color. Right. Right. Whereas in the Clinton era or even the Obama era, that wasn't going to happen. But like the way that she's charismatic, that she is of that time. It's it's glib. It's bullshit. It's you know what I mean? And I have a when you talk about her career arc, it seems pretty obvious that she's always been leading up to this moment. Right. Like the reason you run for to be a prosecutor, then you either go to governor or senator and then you do this. Like it's obvious how it's charted. But this is the thing, though. While you're in that job as a prosecutor waiting for your next thing to run for, you actually have to do the job. (laughs) And that's what I think the problem that she's run into, right? Like while she was on the road to being the first black woman president, she had to do the job of being, uh, you know, a prosecutor, basically a cop. And, you know, that's a dirty job, man. That's a dirty job, specifically, like you said, coming out of the 1990s and our attitudes towards crime and drugs and the war on black people. I mean, the war on drugs or whatever, you know, right, what I mean? like right. th- things have shifted underneath her feet. And and I think she's dead in the water, man. <laughs> like she's a, you think she's, she's done. done. Yeah, she's a dead woman walking. She's finished. Stick a fork in her. That's fascinating, man. You think, that's really interesting because you think Harris, like yeah, she's done. Yeah, she's done. She tried, she's done. and and even her little bump that she got after she had the moment with with, with uh, Biden about busing and this and that, like she's already in the polls. You see it. She's already got, come back down to earth. She's she's not in it to win it. Like she's gonna last because she's still able to get some money. Um, so she's gonna carry this thing out, but I don't think she's. I don't. I think she's finished as far as the candidate is concerned. But you know, whatever. It's it's good to run for president. She'll sign a million dollar something book deal and do her thing. I don't feel sorry for her, but I think she's finished. You know, I think the only reason I'm not sure she's finished is I think that if that Biden implosion happens, which is mm. seems more and more likely, there's gonna need to be a. You know, there's gonna be someone where all that to money be filled. can go. Right. Yeah. And I think I just think that, you know, I don't think that, um, uh, you know, I think Buttigieg, like it's just not going to happen this time. 
and Cory Booker. But see, that's what I, I think. Cory Booker so is like, the Biden adjacent. Right, oh, you think Booker's gonna get it? Yeah, huh? he's a Wall Street bro. Come on, that's, he's he's Biden that's adjacent. It. That's that. That's why. That's why I really think she's finished because Cory Booker more. He's more ready to fill that void for Joe Biden. You know what I mean? Uh, he's a dude, of course, and again, like he's of the moneyed class. Like he's of those people. Uh, so, you know, the Wall Street people will have no trouble getting behind that dude. Oh, definitely. Without a doubt. <laughs> they, I mean, they, they're going to be like, oh, man, hell yeah. Hard. Hell yeah. You actually used to be a bloodsucker like us. Hell yeah. Here <laughs> you go, brother. Let's go. Let's get on this horse. So, I mean, you know, is, I, and, uh, I think, and I think he had a decent night, too. Oh, definitely. What did you think? I just, you know, I just thought he finally got to show off like the few, you know, you know, I'm anti, uh, <laughs> I'm anti Corey, but I've always been anti Corey Booker ever since he gave that. <laughs> I, I've been anti him, but then he gave that fake Obama speech in 2016 <laughs> at the, um, at the, uh, convention. I was just like, yeah, this dude is a clown, man. This guy's embarrassing, yo. You know what I'm saying? But I thought the few charms that he has, he was able to get him off. He got a couple of quips off. Of course, he got off on Joe Biden. So I thought he had a good night and, and, and he, you know, he acquitted himself quite well. So I think he got a, a decent push. And and like you just said, Mayor Pete, he he he, he had a bad week, man. May, Mayor Pete had a bad week. And, you know, I, I know that brought a smile to your face as, as it did oh, yeah. to, to, to mine. So, Definitely. again, Although I think Book is rising. Yeah, you, could, you might be right. I'm not really – I'm still not convinced because he's been such a non-entity so far. But yeah. it's interesting to me that he's really – you know, Cory Booker's always been corporate hack slash cornball slash, you know, stuck in 2005. But I definitely have noticed in the past couple of weeks, you know, I mean, he's obviously he's, you know, he's, he's adaptable. He knows how to kind of maneuver. And he's he's it seems like for the first time he's figuring out a way to do um to do his like, hey, I'm like a positive dorky guy. But also, I will fucking slash you. And, right. you know, I think that that is actually what he needs to show. I just want to say, too, like, on one hand, it was great because de Blasio literally got protested with fire Pantaleo. And that was awesome because he should <laughs> yeah. feel all sorts of heat about uh, Officer Pantaleo and Eric Garner. And at the same time... Even though Bill de Blasio, as you know, with police, with gentrifying, with public housing, um, you know, he's got some things to talk about. Universal pre-K was a great accomplishment. But, you know, he is not the candidate that he's running as. But that's fine. Like de Blasio got a lot of hits in on Biden last night. And he was there holding the holding the fort on progressive shit. And, you know, it it was good. It's 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 crazy, right? To remember the promise of De Blasio, that right. he was this going to be this progressive hero, mayor of New York City. Like it's hard to remember it now, but when he won, you know, all the right people were sick to their stomach about it. So we were all excited, um, and it just hasn't turned out that way. And I think you know, last night was a reminder of the guy that he that he used to be in in all of our minds anyway. Before he had to actually 
you know, govern. <laughs> let, let's also just say, I just want to say real quick. Uh, well, I already said shouts to Jay Inslee, but uh, yeah, Pete Buttigieg, I mean, actually, he was okay at the debate. I thought he was better at this debate than the first one, but the real he reason that find he his lost. Footing. Yeah, because he's got nothing. He's empty, yeah. man. He's just a he's just a kid who knows how to test well. He's just a he's just he's a fucking too many extra, he's too many extracurriculars. And and what I loved was, I mean, he's trying to get on. Apparently, there was a BuzzFeed event, and Pete Buttigieg was ready to go, and his condition was. That he and Lil Nas X do uh, a rendition of that fucking cowboy song together. Yeah, Old Town Road. Lil Nas mm-hmm. X rejected it. Win <laughs> so, so for him and a loss for Mayor Pete. Sorry, Mister Extracurricular Activities. And but I mean, like, rob my wave, homie. Like you know, so many pages on a resume type of guy. What were you gonna say? No, Lil, Lil Nas had to tell him, you're not going to ride my wave, brother. I, I don't know you. I don't know what you about. I get it. We both <laughs> gay, but let's move on. OK, you you do your thing and I'm going to do mine. Wave jumper. <laughs> get out of here, Mayor Pete. Oh, it feels so good. Um, yeah, I on. mean, that's that's actually really it's funny, though, because like, you know, whatever, like, I don't want to get too deep with it. Ninety percent of it is, you know, just a candidate I don't like got faced by a great pop star who, by the way, I'm very impressed by how little Nas X handles himself. But there is something more like I just recorded a TMBS episode for our patrons that will come out in a couple of weeks about really getting into Pete Buttigieg and race and South Bend and policing And to me, there is just something so, you know, he is the perfect conventional liberal with a massive racial blind spot, if you're going to put it, you know, diplomatically. And just that fusion of like that record and then the fact that it's like, oh, he's trendy, he's gay, I'm gay, let's do a song. Like, ugh. You know, like yeah, yeah. He's he's pushing push up. Ugh. Speaking speaking of problematic, this this Jeff Epstein thing just continues Ooh. to just. Lord have mercy. I need to use a different word than problematic. It's it's disgusting. It, it, it's 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 crazy. Um, you know, New York Times runs a story. Where they're re- they're reporting that they spoke to you know four people close to Epstein and he had this he was he maintained close relationships with a couple of Harvard scientists like you know reputable people in the scientific community because he was trying to get on spreading his <laughs> he's trying to germinate the earth with his seed like the idea that he's gonna improve the human race by just having a bunch of babies with a bunch of um, elite <laughs> women like. <laughs> You can't make this stuff up, right? Um, the idea, by the way, uh, by the way, Mike. The the funny the funny thing is, this is the arrogance of this this class of people, right? This group of people in our country, essentially the people who run this thing, who who actually make all of the rules that we follow. This man is a pedophile, a pimp, a fraud. And he thinks he's so great 
that having more of his his progeny and offspring is going to improve upon the planet. Yeah, man. I mean, I mean the, thing that, the thing though that's just so crazy about like, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to look at this to me. Like, so as an example, when like when uh, Alex Costa, right, who had to resign as Trump's labor secretary because when he was a prosecutor in Florida back in 2008, he gave Jeffrey Epstein a sweetheart deal on child – on raping children. Like I just want to be real – you know, like this isn't even – I mean, we're so used to the like, of course, the fact that we have a two tier justice system and, you know, Wall Street banks and everybody else get away with fraud and illegal dealings, of course. But this isn't this is like, you know, I thought being a pedophile was probably still an area that people could kind of like get behind being opposed to. Um, But of course not. That's naive. And one of the things, though, that was interesting that there hasn't been much follow up on, though, is that Alex Costa supposedly said when he was asked about it, when he was getting vetted for Trump, which was that, well, I was told to not go too into it because uh, he was intelligence, quote unquote. And there's some really interesting reporting about both possibilities that he actually was an asset for the FBI, one that he was an asset for Israeli intelligence and the thing that's really weird about Epstein, right, is like I feel like on one hand, OK, we've got to like debunk conspiracy theory culture and, you know, discourage people from looking at the world in that conspiratorial way because things are usually, you know, they're not as linear, they're more complicated, whatever. But it's like here's a guy who was a human trafficker yep. who – You know, and we don't know, like we know Alan Dershowitz has been accused. We know a member, I think a member of the British royal family has been accused. We actually know that there's one, there's one accusation that came out against Trump specifically that kind of went away, but in 2016. But like this dude was a systemic and globe hopping human trafficker on his flights were Bill Clinton, he was tight with Donald Trump, but also, you know, Steve Pinker and all of these people um, across the elite. And I'm guess what what I'm saying is like, you don't even have to go like it could be that, you know, they had no idea. Right. Like those were the flights that nothing bad was going on. Okay, but the basic context that you have this. This kind of wealth and this kind of access and the fact that if you have wealth, you can get anything with no oversight. And the fact that even a couple of years ago, after everybody already knows who Jeff Epstein was, who he was, that Ehud Barak, who's the former Israeli prime minister, is taking investments in his company from him. I mean, it really shows you it's like there is just this systemic rot in the core of capitalism. I mean, that's Jeffrey Epstein, man. Like, yeah, it's yeah. bigger than Jeffrey Epstein. Come on, bro. He's the perfect child of capitalism. Yes. Like, are you kidding me? And the thing is, and when I, I do want to touch on some of the conspiratorial aspects of this story, the bottom line is this: this guy accrued a massive, massive amount of wealth and influence and access, and he ostensibly had no job. Like his company didn't 
do anything, right? Like he wasn't like his hedge fund didn't actually invest or trade anywhere. He just got a shit ton of wealth. And so we have to ask the question, why? Like, it's kind of obvious, right? Like, we can say what we want about, say, a Bill Gates or, a, or a, um, you know, Larry Ellison or uh, Bezos. Like, we know, <laughs> we know how they got rich. We, you know, we still find them to be contemptible because to be a billionaire basically is to be a contemptible person. Um, but we know how they got their money. This guy got money for nothing, so we're supposed to believe he obviously got money for something. And we need to know what that something was, because I think it speaks to, like you said, it, it speaks to the heart of capitalism and it's just depravity. You know, it's just, <laughs> like, again, yeah. like his sweetheart deal in Florida back in 06 is just a symptom of the problem. Right. He's rich has access and so therefore he can skirt the rules on child abuse and, yep. and pedophilia just think about that just think about the system man like wow holy I fucking right. shit you know but yeah right. I'm, I'm gonna continue to keep my eye on this i'm actually waiting on jade to get on this i i, I could tell he hasn't he hasn't um sort of dug into this yet. He's preoccupied with some other things, but I'm I'm looking forward to, I'm looking forward to hearing Jay do his deep dives on Jeffrey Epstein's Epstein's an animal, dude. He's a, <laughs> it's fucking he's he's a UFO. <laughs> there was a guy named Bob Epstein who was at Grassy Knoll. <laughs> it's all related, dude. Um, it's all related, dude. Rob, we got to put out an well, ATP. Because Jeff we gotta... Epstein was at. He wasn't. He was at the the moon launch because that happened. You guys you are know, so. There's actually two. There's two Epstein's guys. <laughs> guys are gullible. He's <laughs> <You> stupid. He's <laughs> stupid. But the thing is, like, it's like what? It's like. You know, what do you want me to say? Like, yeah, you know, it's like the, I don't know how to how to tell people like, you know, again, there's all these conspiracies and all these lies. But then on the other hand, it's like, yeah, like, yeah, exactly. That's, but that's what was it is, partying right? like, with sure. some of all the world's major politicians, scientists, academics and Hollywood people. Yes. <laughs> And then he didn't pay for any of his crimes. That is right in our faces. I mean, shit. I think we need to put out an APB. We need to come up with the name of this segment. Um, obviously, it's an homage to uh, Two Dope Boys Digging in the Crate segment. I always um, a crowd pleaser and a favorite. But um, this is the segment where we recommend something. Mike, um, I want to hear what your what your rec is for this week. Uh, my rec is... Um the documentary that if people haven't seen it yet, I feel like a lot of people have seen this, but it might've been a wave now for a past couple of years where people haven't caught it. 
but uh, the documentary when we were kings about the uh, George Foreman Muhammad the um yeah Foreman Ali fight in um in then Zaire in Zaire now the Congo uh. That's just an incredible documentary that really introduces you, I think, to a lot of different um, threads that matter um, in terms of uh, entertainment, sports, uh, post-colonialism in Africa, the, the, but also the corruption of, you know, like a, the CIA-backed Mobutu Sese Seko, who yep. assassinated Patrice Lumumba, who's one of our great leaders that, of course, another victim of, of the CIA and the Belgians and so on. There's a ton of just amazing footage of Muhammad Ali just as a personality. He is one of these figures in our culture that matches the hype. Yep. Incredible performances, James Brown and B.B. King. It just seemed like a and great commentary from Spike Lee and Norman Mailer. I, I think it, it it's it's like one of those, um, you know, like it, it would have been really crazy and fascinating to be there. And you kind of at least can get a little bit of a a sense of it. And I just used to rewatch it all the time. I'd recommend it to everybody. Very, very in this keeping with the show. Man, my first, I got a couple of recommendations. My first one is <laughs> the Joe Rogan podcast with Cornell West. Oh my God. came out God. a week ago. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> Cornell's I, the best we have, man. It's, it, 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 it's, it's beyond words. I, I'm I, I'm sorry. Like I watched this thing straight up two hours nonstop, just watching this dude speak. Um, the 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 depth of knowledge, the amount of shit this guy has read and absorbed, and just on command can apply to so many different things. It's incredible and he's just a such a warm charismatic spirit it's in it's insane and again like <laughs> joe rogan is somebody who you know i found out that he was libertarian i heard that he's disavowed those views but years ago i found out he was libertarian and i was kind of like okay i'm off this dude because right. to be a libertarian is to basically be a complete and utter idiot and douchebag asshole <laughs> and I and I mean that. Like I seriously mean that. There's no other way to achieve libertarianism. Um, so I was off of him, but of course, you know, his show is deeply popular and you know, he he tries to have different views and different type of people on. And of course, when I tune into Mike and I tune into majority, um, oftentimes he's talking to their mortal enemies and whipping boys. Um so that's when I only get to catch up. But then I saw that he had Cornell West on. I was like, okay, I, I I have to watch this. And it was just incredible. Like, it just does not disappoint. Not a moment when he's talking about, you know, rhythm and blues from the 70s. Uh, and he's like, it's just, this dude is incredible. He's a virtuoso. He's a treasure. Um, we are lucky to have him, man. I would encourage everybody go watch that. Like, that thing made me laugh. Um, brought me to borderline tears in moments. Like it was insanity. It was in incredible. I can't recommend He's that the enough. Absolute best that we have. I just got to plug real quick. Um, I'm sorry, I just have to because I did my whole opening commentary on the 100th episode of of, uh, of TMBS on Joe Rogan and Cornell West that exchange, and then also more broadly how Cornell West just 
gives us the answers to everything in terms of like the spiritual dimension, understanding, uh, you know, uh, the, the economic realities with the history of race and genocide in this country. And then also a perfect antidote to all of the, the toxic cancel culture, moralistic, you know, crap, um, you know, takes that you hear all the time. Cornell West, I mean, he just weaved every single thread, man. I, and so I, I did that commentary. I hope people will check that out because I, I connected it with some other things that are worth uh, thinking about, you know, especially if you have like socialist politics and, uh, yeah, man, I just hard, but also hard cosine, man, just, just watch, you can just go online and watch Cornell West just lecturing at universities and forums across the world. And he's just the he's brilliant the spirit. I mean, it, it's what we need. It's yeah. what we need. And, you know, finally, my la- my final recommendation, um, of, uh, you know, maybe about an hour before we started this recording, Drake announced via his Instagram that he's coming out with something that he's calling the care package, which essentially is he's tying up a bunch of the loose songs that he's put out, uh, basically unreleased, quote unquote, because they weren't on any of the major streaming platforms. You either had to find it on SoundCloud or you had to go um, on YouTube or or you had to already have it because you had downloaded it years ago. Um, but he's decided to put all of these songs together and put them out and so that his fans could have them on all every single streaming platform this Friday, which I think is just a really cool thing to do because the people who follow Drake know, like, so many of these songs, people are like, how the hell did this not make an album? You know, and then in, 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 in this streaming era where everything is at the tip of our fingers, it becomes more and more tedious to, you know, find these things on command so that Drake tidied this up to put stuff like Draft Day and 4 p.m., in Calabasas and Club Paradise with Rick Ross and Girls Love Beyonce, which is a song that I hate and I'm pretty sure is the worst Drake song I've ever heard in my life, but whatever. Nonetheless, <laughs> people like it and it's on there. Um, just a variety of stuff. Um, obviously, Twitter and the Peanut Gallery made the obvious joke of Drake finally puts out a classic album, Hardy Har Har Har. But yeah, man, um, <laughs> it's one of those things that's coming out on Friday, but we can recommend it because we've already heard all of these songs, which I think is just a really cool thing. He did it earlier this year with So Far Gone. Or was that last year? I don't even remember. But he put So Far Gone out every single thing onto the streaming sites. And so he put this out. I actually... I actually found this. I actually knew this news last week. I had learned it um, from a friend of mine who's who's who knows them. And uh, he was like, yeah, Drake's actually putting out or whatever. But I was drunk at a party when he told me this. So I forgot. So I didn't leak it <laughs> as I should have. But, um, <laughs> such a wise thing to do, but like, but, uh, yeah, man, I'm looking forward to it. I know what all of his fans are. So, you know, there you go. Lost tapes times, man. Thank you guys for listening to us, man. We really appreciate that peace and much love to you all. We out. Thanks guys. All right. Perfect guys. All right. Later.